This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, October 11th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. States face budget constraints that the feds don't, but some states have gone further than others to actively constrain spending. And yet there's still more states can do. Vance Ginn, former chief economist at the Office of Management and Budget and current chief economist at Louisiana's Pelican Institute, spoke with me in Chicago in August. State governments have widely varied ways of attempting to constrain spending. Most constrain spending by virtue of the fact that that uh, the bond market is not going to allow them to go unrestrained with their spending. They have to balance budgets in a sense. Um, but other states have gone further. I'm thinking of Colorado, uh, North Carolina, uh, recently Kentucky, uh, and a few other states have built in ways to constrain revenue or spending. Who? Let's separate those two out, though. To what extent have states uh, made active choices to restrain spending? And, and what have they done in order to do that? It's important to make sure that we constrain spending as much as possible as government spending is the ultimate burden of government and make sure that we need to restrict it. Uh, but when you look at this, they also have constitutional amendments that have a balanced budget amendment. So they've got to make sure that their spending equals their revenue. Um, 49 states have that. But other states, as you mentioned, Colorado's Taxpayer Bill of Rights was an important precedent to set up the stage for um, spending limits based on population growth plus inflation to say, look, we need the government to grow by less than the growth in the economy. And if you do that, you allow for more freedom, more liberty, more opportunity for the productive private sector to do what it does best and grow the economy and, and jobs and have more prosperity. And so when you look at Colorado, you look at North Carolina, as you mentioned, also Texas passed a stronger spending limit in 2021. These are some of the states that I think are setting the precedent for what should happen in all states where spending is too high. But in so in Texas, in North Carolina, uh, I'll mention Kentucky again because mm-hmm. uh, Kentucky is on track to, at some point in the future, com- just have its uh, income, personal income tax go away. Um, th- those are revenue constraints. Those are a- act restraints on revenue and using the existing infrastructure of of how spending gets done or financed. Uh, those are the limits. And but but a a regular reduction in the state income tax for individuals isn't strictly speaking a spending constraint correct right it's a revenue constraint right and but some of these other states like colorado's is a spending restraint um, on that side of it and i think the focus should always be on the spending side because if you if you control spending then you can have more available for tax cuts um, and that's what we're seeing in places like um, Texas, uh, Louisiana. We're working on that at the Pelican Institute of, of saying, look, if you have if you're restrained spending to population growth and inflation, use revenue above that to bring down income taxes. Um, and that's what we're seeing in other places, too. North Carolina, they do have these revenue triggers, which I think is a good, you know, important step in the right direction. But what I like to see is really the focus on government spending, because the government has no control over tax revenue. That's based on economic activity in the economy. They do have control over their budget. So if you can put control over the budget, that also gives them a way to lower taxes and have more freedom and liberty that way. But less politically saleable. Yeah. That's always the problem, right? Politicians have an incentive to spend more so they can win (laughs) re-election. Public choice teaches us that, right? The rent-seeking that's going on there. Um, But if you put in place a connection between spending less and more tax cuts, 
then that allows for them to have incentives in place so that they can win re-election and they can sell it. They'd be like, look, you know, we, if we limit spending, we could also give you more money in your pocket. And by putting those two together, it's a more winnable way for them to not only win re-election, but I hopefully pass good laws compared with just growing government. Or leave more money. Yes, that's exactly right. Yes. There was this famous notion mm -hmm. in federal policymaking, uh, starve the beast. It was made up. It didn't work. It was not a real thing. Uh, but at the state level, that's it's kind of true, which is that if you don't collect the revenue in the first place, your grand plans for how to spend that money uh, just don't materialize. If you are strongly incentivized to focus on like the most basic elements of state government, you hope. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I think that's one of the great things about our system of federalism is we need more going back to the states or to the people, really. We need less government overall. And so you're right with these constitutional amendments saying a balanced budget. It really depends on the amount of revenue that comes in. And, and, and that's why we need to be reducing taxes, uh, eliminating taxes where we can. You know, the not the seven states without a personal income tax, those are the places where people are moving to. They also tend to spend less as well, which is really important here. Um, and so I think if we have more of this competition in our system, of federalism that will allow for us to have more prosperity, more jobs, less poverty will be another important part of this. And that all goes together in a system that with less federal government interference. Um, I worked in the federal government for a year. I was a chief economist for the Office of Management and Budget in the Trump White House. And look, I was trying to fight for less government spending all the time, but there were a lot of people who wanted more government spending. There wasn't a lot of restraint that happened during that period. And, and states are really where the action is. Congress isn't getting anything done. They're spending so much and everything else. We can actually get some key reforms happening at the state level closer to the people that are actually govern governing. Yeah, I don't want to take the wind out of the sails of Republicans who fancy themselves uh, uh, fiscal hawks. But uh, even in the Reagan White House, within a few months of walking in, uh, you know, he goes to a cabinet meeting and it's He's surrounded by people who all want more money. Yes, that's right. And that, that I'm sure that was true in the Trump White House, too. That, that is also true. Uh, you really have to go back to Calvin Coolidge to, to find a president and, and, and Harding, too, that to looked at reducing government spending. Um, and finding ways to then cut taxes. I'm not one who would say that tax cuts pay for themselves. You need budget, you need spending restraint at the same time. Um, because if you don't, you run into the Kansas problem where Kansas cut taxes during the aughts. And, and what they did was they kept spending and then they ran into deficits. And instead of cutting spending again, then they raised taxes. And everybody said, look, the Kansas experiment failed. Well, it was because they spent too much. We've got to learn from these lessons to make sure that where focus is always on limiting government spending, putting in uh, spending restraints. And my my focus has really been on the entire state budget, not just general funds or something else. But what we need to look at the entire budget because it, the last thing there was just like federal funds are a big part of a lot of states' budgets now. And the federal government's going to have to cut some of that spending at some point unless a crisis happens or when a crisis happens. And so states have really got to put position themselves to be, um, for the long term, stable and sustainable over time. For states that uh, maybe are on a reasonable fiscal path or maybe states that are on a pretty negative fiscal path, we're recording this in Illinois, mm -hmm. one of the uh, states to watch. <laughs> when it comes to uh, what a bankruptcy proceeding for a state might look like. Um, but for states that want to regularize the process of uh, watching budgets and making sure that they can trim budgets as needed, 
Uh, there was an attempt early on in the the Bush administration to tie to try to attempt to tie, uh, and this came out of the o, off OMB uh, attempt to tie performance with the funding from the federal government. Uh, and I wonder if states, to the extent that they could use, you know, zero baseline budgeting, any number of things, a, 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 you know, a, a review every few years of how the money is being spent, what the metrics are for success in a uh, cabinet or administrative agency. What, you know, to the extent that states want to get into that kind of regularized process, what should that look like? There are a lot of ways that that could happen. Uh, Performance-based budgeting is one some of the outcomes that are going on and everything, that that's also important. Um, and so when we think about ways for states to really go in and say, what are the outcomes of these expenditures that we're using of taxpayer money? Uh, another way to do that is through efficiency audits, and in, in particular, independent efficiency audits done by the private sector to look at what's happening with the amount of money that's going to uh, schools, <laughs> the amount of money that's going for healthcare and other areas of the budget. And we've seen some of this happen now. Um, Texas did an efficiency audit of the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, the TANF program. They found a lot of uh, problems <laughs> that were happening within the program, and they've actually made some reforms. Um, Louisiana, um, their legislature has done some efficiency audits on TANF and on food stamps, SNAP, to really say, okay, where are these dollars going? How can we make sure that it's going to the people that it's supposed to go to and not for waste, fraud, and abuse? And so I think those are other ways to not only make sure that we're getting the outcomes from these taxpayer dollars, but then cutting or eliminating programs where necessary. So this is something that's really important. Vance Gann is the chief economist at Louisiana's Pelican Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please. And thank you for listening. <laughs>